Greetings, ladies and gents, and welcome to this daily science fiction extravaganza, commonly known as Tales, Tales from Outer from space. Out, space. Out, space. Taken from the subreddit HFY, all the relevant links will be down below. And, as always, I hope that you enjoy. And if you do, please consider supporting the channel. On to the science fiction. Story number one, Pecking Order Part 2, written by Ak1308. Self-defense. Cursed pushed open the door as he's dwelling and entered, feeling himself relaxed just a little bit more as the dimness enfolded him. He'd been told once that the ancestors of the Midkirb had lived in holes and under rocks, but all he knew that had been undercover this made him feel more secure. Oh good, you're home, his wife greeted him as she came out of the food preparation area. His mouth pulps twitched as he inhaled the odor of the seaweed under preparation. And not just any seaweed either. This tasted like the good stuff. Unbidden, his pseudo-mandibles clicked together. Oh, good, I'm home, he echoed, entwining his upper and lower appendages with hers. Feeling her chest plates press against his was so worth it. You wouldn't believe the day I've had. Mine hasn't been totally stress-free either, she retorted, but there was no sting in it. You've got a human working on your site, don't you? Seriously, how did you know that? He asked, his manipulators opening in confusion. I didn't know it until I met the guy, and that was just this morning. Her pseudo-manipulators rubbed over each other. She was pleased with herself, he could tell, and he could also tell that she wasn't about to die to verge her sauce. I just know is all. Her mood changed as she went on, and I'm worried. Worried about what? he asked. Styles is a good guy. Sure, he had to rough up some idiot Virtus, but that was a soft defense all the way. Her manipulators clacked loudly in shock. The human hurt someone. He's not the human. His name is Styles, and he's a damn fine worker. A bit scary at times, but he never even offered violence after it was all over. He even apologized for breaking Virtus's appendages. We weren't even behind at the end of the day. He did his work and Patricus's as well. The guy just never got tired. He didn't even seem to stop for water break more than once in an hour. He shimmered Tulsa back and forth in a vague disbelief. The guy's scary good at what he does. That's not the only scary thing. I was watching the Tri-V and there were humans around, rioting in the capital. Her voice shook. Immediately, he gathered her back into his embrace once more, slowly. He ran the points over his manipulators along the seams of her backplates until she began to relax. It wasn't here, he reminded her. It's all right. No, it's not all right, she told him. A bunch of rioters, maybe twenty or thirty, cornered five humans. She closed her eyes, in short stalks retracted, pulling the eyes back inside her carapace. It was horrible. No. He recalled seeing Styles take out Patricus and one decisive strike. Perhaps he's one of their more effective ones. Were the humans badly hurt? There were three males and two females, I think, she said. One of the rioters grabbed one of the females. I think he may have injured her. Her appendage was bent strangely after that. But then the human males got angry. Abruptly, he realized that she hadn't meant horrible in relation to human injuries. Oh, oh dear. A long pause, after which he asked the burning question. Were many hurt? 
Yes, her voice was very small. They started pushing the writers over, then stamping on them and kicking them. The biggest one took hold of the appendages which the rioter had used to harm the human female and pulled it out of socket. He struck several more with the appendage, and I'm sure that some of them are dead. Their carapaces were caved in so very badly. Krstk shuddered and beat the rioters to death with the comrade's appendage. Where were the humans even injured? The, uh, the large one was cut and bruised quite a lot. Not nothing more than that. Man, they all move so fast. Yes, he said ruefully. I know exactly what you mean by that. And now they really so fast, she asked. The tribe it couldn't really show it. When they want to be, yes, he confirmed. Then many of the rioters get away. Some, her voice slowed to a halt. Most were unconscious, but I think a few were dead. It didn't surprise him at all. The appendage thing was a shock to hear about, but not really unexpected. I'm just glad of one thing. What's that? Her eyes had emerged once more, and she was eyeing him with curiosity. He said he sued her mandibles to a rear angle. The humans weren't armed. Imagine the carnage there would have been then. The next day, the Grand Conclave. Tsvtvk was on his back plates, rested against the cushioned seat, and tugged gently with the lower manipulator on the grip beside him to turn his seat on its swivel. His eye stalks banned over several of his fellow conclave members, all arguing with upper manipulators, waving and clacking animatedly. By contrast, the two humans in the chamber were almost eerily still and silent. Only, if he watched them carefully, could he see the oddly mobile socketed eyes swivel from one point to another, while their single-paired manipulators remained on the desks in front of them. What must it be like, he wondered, to be able to switch one's viewpoint without having to move the entire body around? He was aware of the flexibility of their necks, although that knowledge had not come without a sudden shock. Indeed, if they wore dark-shaded lenses in front of their eyes, that some humans were known to do, it would be literally impossible to know what way they were looking. An almost superstitious shudder passed through his body, making his pseudo-mandibles chatter against one another. There was so much about humans that was good. Their scientists were working to help them observe. Researchers come up with their own versions of the Terran technology, and the military had already given its assurance that they were now officially allied if the case of an outside attack. All that aside, they were genuinely nice people. Their waters ran deep and clear, and the old saying went, but they were also deeply, deeply weird. The eye thing was the least part of it, and in fact hadn't been so astonishing as the neck thing. But the speed and flexibility of human bodies and thinking both were threatening to give the titistivik what a human psychologist had called an inferiority complex. Also, they thought about things in totally different ways, possibly related to the carnivore-omnivore background and possibly to the insane levels of durability that they showed even without thinking about it. Tittistivik had a carapace, as did every other medipserb. It was reasonably sturdy and could protect the soft flesh underneath from a myriad of scrapes and bruises that sapiens would be undoubtedly accrue during the day. Humans didn't have a carapace. Instead of an exoskeleton, they had an endoskeleton. This left the skin unprotected, so they wore clothing. But even that didn't actually protect them all that much and sometimes they rolled up their sleeves as if there was nothing of importance. 
He'd seen Terrans stub their toes, knock their elbows and door frames, and even accidentally bump into errant medipsurbs. And while each collision was usually accompanied by a brief ouch, this was often followed by a quick, I'm okay. And the truth of it was, they generally were okay, as they put it. The bruise might form, or some skin might be lost, but the human generally did not care. The incident would be forgotten within hours, and all trace of it was gone within a week. Meanwhile, the Medipserb suffered a damage integument would invariably require medical attention, if only to seal up the cracks so that nothing infectious could get in. Damaging an appendage could cripple the being until complex medical procedures could be carried out. Though, once the individuals molded, the appendage would recover its integument as good as new. Molting, of course, was a long and dreary process, usually taking place at home over a week or more, and requiring another week before the new integument had hardened enough to venture out into society once more. The humans with the damaged endoskeleton, on the other hand, would have a splint put on and be back to work the next day, not even caring that the integral part of his body structure was damaged. Tutistivik clicked his pseudo-mandibles together. Cruel surfing was all well and good, but the conclave would argue forever if someone didn't bring them into line. Raising his upper manipulators, he clacked them together loudly as he inflated his primary and secondary lungs. What is this? he called out. You fight and squabble like Tukur in a bucket in front of our human guests, no less. Have you no pride? Lower your voices and your manipulators. As the chamber quieted, he saw the male human, Stephen Bryce, if he was the name was correct, raise his manipulators to cover his mouth. Titus Tivik suspected that it was to cover an expression of humor, which he appreciated. Things were fractious right now already, without a display of carnival teeth to stir the bottom mud up even more. He didn't even bother wondering what the human had found funny. If humans were weird, their jokes were downright bizarre. The other human, a female called Helen Lang, raised a pink stub manipulator to gain his attention. He swiveled his chair towards her and applied an eye stalks in acknowledging her. Thank you. Despite the accent inherent in her lack of pseudomandibles, her pronunciation was entirely understandable. I want to sharpen the point. Apologies, make the point that our politicians argue just as much. We were not offended. While Stephen Bryce did not add his own affirmation to this, he bobbed his head forward. There was that overly flexible neck again. In a gesture, Tivistivik understood to mean an agreement. That's good to hear, Tivistivik stated, keeping his voice steady and pronunciation clear for the benefit of the human diplomats. But the subject of the argument is not. I understand some humans were injured in the riot last night. Do you have any information on them? Stephen Bryce made a noise in his throat that signaled that he was ready to speak. They are not very injured, he said, speaking carefully, his accent stronger than Helen's. A broken arm, some cuts and bruises. Your people, I believe, some died, others crippled. That is more important, I think. A murmur went through the chamber as members of the conclave swiveled the chairs so they could stare at one another. Tatistavik was beyond surprised, a human dismissing a significant injury in a second human to ask about the injuries of another species. With what else he'd seen of the humans, it was merely a tideline expressing itself, something that just happened with them. 
The final toll was 24 minor injuries, 17 major injuries, and 6 deaths. Tatistavik said he'd made sure of those figures before coming in. Half of those minor injuries and a third of the major injuries were from idiocy, stepping in front of a moving ground car to force it to stop, for instance, or resisting arrest. But the rest came from the confrontation with the humans, which, uh, I will make clear now, I do not consider to be the fault of the humans. But the humans were excessively savage. Out at first to kick, the pseudo-manipulator spread wide with anger. They tore someone's arm off, and they used it to beat him to death. They went on and attacked the others. Yes, because the humans were unarmed, outnumbered six to one, and one of the rioters attacked them. Alan Slang's voice cut through the chamber like a killer fish through a school of squidlings. What should they have done? Stood there and let them be attacked. They neutralized the threat as effectively as possible. Was tearing the arm off a little excessive? Possibly so. I honestly don't care. The man's girlfriend was injured, and he took care of the problem. From here on in, any humans out, idiots, are likely to be a lot more cautious about attacking humans, and I have zero problem with that. The rest of the conclave seemed to be almost hypnotized by the absolute matter-of-fact tone of her voice. Tatistavik had to clack his manipulators together to get their attention again. And I'll back her up all the way, he stated, his pseudo-mandible set in a no-nonsense posture. In my opinion, any idiots who attack humans are asking for whatever happens to them. Construction Site Hey, Styles, it's good to see you. Kurtusk clicked his pseudo-manipulators together to indicate satisfaction with the current situation. How's your shoulder from yesterday? The expanse of smooth pink skin below David Styles' hairline formed several wrinkles. What about the shoulder of mine? He asked, turning his head to glance down at the joint in question. Trying to ignore the action, which would be anatomically impossible for the Meditserb, Kukustusk gestured to Styles' left shoulder. When that moron Vutkus kicked you yesterday. Oh, apologies, forgot. Shoulder is operational. Styles demonstrated by moving it in its socket in a way that threatened to cause Kurtusk to retract his eye stalks to avoid suffering nausea. Joints should not move that way. Oh, good, Kurtusk said weakly. He couldn't believe Styles had already left the incident to drift on the tide. So, um, could I ask you another question? You don't have to answer if you don't want to. We'll answer if can, ask. Styles shrugged and stowed his lunchbox with the others. Okay, then, Kurtusk took the time to inflate his secondary lung as he thought over how to phrase the query. When Vertkus was insulting you, saying bad things, why didn't you get angry? Why didn't you attack him then? Because that's what he was trying to make you do, get you thrown off the construction site. It had taken him half a night to figure this out, but once it occurred to him that it seemed so obvious... Agreement, Styles made an odd snorting noise with his nostrils, and his lips curled into a smile, though mercifully without showing any teeth. Motive obvious, that moron Vertkus, ignorant of insults, then managed to get the name almost right, though the way he ran the words together, it sounded like he thought that they were one and the same. Kursk couldn't exactly disagree with him. Additional information, Styles finished off with sing-song verse in pure human speech. I'm sorry, I can't speak your language yet. Kirk twiddled his pseudo-manipulators together, also as if trying to taste the meaning of the words. Can you say that more slowly? 
Together, as the rest of the workers trickled in, they hashed out the meaning of the verse, one phrase at a time. Just as they finished, Churstk arrived. Styles, he called out. Still here, I see. We haven't managed to chase you away yet. Styles turned his head and raised one of his manipulators to gesture the flexible way that he had. Still here, boss, he responded. Good to see you, Tursk said, clicking his pseudo-manipulators together. You're on the dirt mover this morning, then I'll put you on the bigger machines for the afternoon. Sound good? The nod gesture indicated agreement as Styles' mouth spread into a smile. You say, I do, touching a sub-manipulator to the brim of his yellow head covering. He headed across the site towards where the dirt mover was, moving with a steady stride. Kukukurtusk knew exactly how fast the human could move now, and knew that he was taking his time. A good worker, Kukurtusk said in passing to Churst. Weird, but he's good company. He's all of that, agreed the foreman. What were you two talking about so busily when I showed up? Oh, that, Kurtusk entwined his eye stalks to indicate a mild exasperation, while the pseudo-mandibles showed humor. I asked him why he didn't let Petrusk get inside his integument yesterday with the insults, and he said something inhuman, so we were puzzling it out. And did you get it? I think so, Kurtusk paused and ensured that he was saying it correctly. While minor branches from trees and pieces of broken from boulders may fracture my endoskeleton, vocal utterings have no means by which to harm me. At least, that's my best guess at what he was saying. Tursk seemed to ponder that. Well, it makes sense, but it is very wordy. It's a human thing, Tursk reminded him. True. End of story. And that, my friends, concludes this dose of science fiction fun. I hope that you enjoyed. And if you did, please don't forget to support the author from the link down below. But if you want to support this channel, there are links as well down below for you to help with. But the easiest way would be to share this video. And if you are so inclined, subscribe as well. I will see you all in the next episode, and I hope that you all have a fantastic time until then. Cheers.